0: Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. Hello, happy new year, and welcome to the latest episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer at Definitive Healthcare and your host for this podcast. I'm joined today by my friends, colleagues, and frequent co-hosts, Todd Bellamere and Brittany Moore-Mizadri for our 2022 Year in Review special episode. Hard to believe, but this is our 25th episode of Definitively Speaking. In 2022, we did 19 episodes with external guests and five special afterwards episodes where the three of us went into more depth around a particular speaker and what he or she said. So this is the Big 25. And what better way to kick off 2023 than with a look back at some of our favorite guests of 2022 and then a look forward to what we think we're going to see in 2023. Todd, Brittany, great to have you here with me today. Wonderful to be here.
1: What's up, guys?
0: Hello, hello, hello. So for all our listeners out there, if you're wondering why we may sound a little bit different today, well, here's a story. Brittany just moved to Texas, so she's now remote and she got a new dog. That's awesome. Todd is at home recovering from a bout with COVID, and I'm all by myself in the Definitively Speaking podcast studio, battling a holiday head code, which thankfully is not COVID. So says the 30 plus negative COVID tests at my house. So while we're all not at peak efficiency today, we're still ready to kick around some healthcare data. All right. So we covered a lot of ground in 2022 on Definitively Speaking. But as we prepared for this episode, several themes emerged, and we'll cover them and see if what we were talking about back in April 2022 still resonates here at the start of 2023. So, Brittany, let's start with a simple, obvious, but very important question. Who is your favorite guest that we had on Definitively Speaking last year and why? And you can't say Todd.
1: Okay, but Todd is my favorite
0: Okay. Other than Todd, who was your favorite? Other
1: than Todd, I really enjoyed our conversations with Dr. Pimentel and Kara McNulty. Those those conversations were really exciting and thought provoking for me. I ended up buying Dr. Pimentel's book as well for uh, a cookbook for gut health, which I, I found very helpful. And then Kara's conversation around mental health and mental well being, I just I thought that was so timely and so necessary.
2: Yeah, yeah. Todd, who's your favorite guest? So I actually picked out five different episodes that I was really interested in. And I I knew that I would probably have picked the same ones that you or Brittany would have. Um, So so, yes, Kara was definitely in those top five. Uh, I thought that that conversation was just out of this world. She was a fantastic guest. Uh, But I'm going to go in a direction that is probably not a surprise to you guys and talk a little bit about the conversation. It was episode 18 with uh, Chase Pudow of Vita that conversation just talking about data it felt like it was done in five minutes i was listening to it in the car and i was like transported from my home to the place i was going in like two seconds and i was like i can't believe i just listened to 30 to 40 minutes worth of that and it just like went right like that so that was that was fantastic i i love hearing people talk about data especially when it comes to healthcare data because some of the things he first said i was like That was, that's what I would have said. (laughs) It was very much like uh, listening to somebody who had the same brain. So I was, I was so happy to hear his take on, you know, the way that healthcare data can be manipulated and used and the complexities within it. And, you know, he he was just a great guest. So that was, that was my favorite, I'm going to say.
0: Yeah. You know, talk about someone being on point for a podcast. I mean, this is a podcast about healthcare data, and that's all Chase does every day, all day long. So he really was spot on for the podcast. I'm not surprised to hear you say that at all, Todd. Uh, you know, I'm going to cheat and talk about a few of my favorite guests. Joel, our multimedia producer and the guy who makes us all sound so good on this podcast. Big shout out to Joel, by the way. He likes to give me a lot of grief and call me a little bit of a nerd. And all right, I'll admit I'm a little bit of a geek and definitely a nerd when it comes to healthcare. So if I were to go back and pick my top three guests from last year, I'd honestly I go all the way back to our first guest, which was over a year ago at this point, Michael Greeley from Flare Capital, who really kicked off the year and gave us a great overview from a macroeconomic perspective about what was going to happen in healthcare in 2022 where he was investing. And while Michael did not predict the recession, so you know we'll definitely give him a strike for that, he was actually pretty accurate in terms of the key investment areas and the rise of certain themes around healthcare throughout the year. And so you'd expect that from Michael, but it really was interesting. And it was fascinating to go back and read in December, I read the, the transcript, what he said back in January, how true it happened in 2022. On the flip side, Going from the macro perspective down to the micro perspective, I really, really enjoyed our time with Brian Frugier from Simpler. Uh, that was definitely a nerd out podcast where we talked a lot at Todd's back. You for shaking his head. Yes, it was. Where we got into interoperability and hospital operations and how we pass different procedures and to keep it all secure and governance and regulation and compliance. But if you're somebody who works in a hospital at any level in any job I really thought that podcast was on point and really, Brian had some great insights, you know, as you expect from someone who've been in healthcare for 25 years. And then I fast forward to the end of the year and, uh, you know, my one of my, probably my favorite episodes was when I got to geek out with Atman Laraki, the CEO of Color, uh, all about macroeconomics. And really, Atman had some really fascinating thoughts about how, what's wrong with healthcare and how we need to change it. And uh, we really got into some deep, macroeconomic analysis. I feel like I was back in business school, I said on that podcast, and, and I really enjoyed that time with him. And so uh, if you're out there and listening to this conversation today and you haven't listened to his episodes, I'd go, encourage you to go back and listen to them. So that's kind of the, my favorite guests. I'll be nice and I want to ask the two of you to name your least favorite guests because, hey, we love all of our guests here on Definitively Speaking. But I do want to know what
2: your most memorable moment from the podcast was. Todd, why don't you go first this time? You know, that's interesting because I, I think one of the most surprising guests that that really sucked me in was uh, Beth Holmes at Hint Health. I I honestly I walked into that conversation about uh, direct primary care, not knowing too much about it. And I just found her fascinating and her, her story fascinating. And so kind of going through that and. Um, just the, some of the numbers, even like the number of patients that are that are using direct primary care. Because I had always had it in my head that you know I had associated at least direct primary care with the concierge service, right? And so I think of a bunch of rich people just getting a doctor whenever they want. That's kind of, that's kind of what I, I thought, <laughs> right? So, so that was um, to to hear it in a little bit more of a real sense and to to hear some of the details that that she went through. That was episode fourteen, and that was something I actually have listened to twice now because I thought she was so good. Uh, so that was something that I kind of have gone back to. And again, it's not something like when you think about all of the upheaval we've seen in the healthcare market in the last, even I'll go way back 15 years, right? It's It's been just a crazy amount of upheaval. And even now with like rural health closing and telehealth booming and, and all these different pieces of the puzzle coming into play. And as a person who spends his day thinking about how we're going to quantify and you know, look at... Trends and, and the different things that are happening in the healthcare market to understand what is not there in the data versus what is it. like that's what, understanding what is not there is almost as important as understanding what what is there. Because when you look at a patient journey and start to look for where patients may fall in and out of data sources, uh, you know, not having a a claim generated because someone's going through direct primary care, that's there's a substantial chunk of patients going through there so it's it's just endlessly fascinating to me in the different ways in which we can look at and analyze and understand what patients are going through and then of course you know from a patient perspective understand what their options are because you know I know a lot of people you know and this is anecdotal of course but I'm sure we could go look up some some numbers but there's there's a substantial number of people who use the emergency room as their PCP And so that is something that is a huge strain on the healthcare system. And so to look at alternatives for that, whether it's direct primary care or or something else is, you know, I I just loved it. And that was to me that that surprised me the most that I walked in there thinking, oh, I kind of know what this is. And she just blew me away. Yeah.
0: You know, and to tease an upcoming podcast, we're going to talk with a guest pretty soon about uh, virtual specialty care, which is kind of an analogous to direct primary care and where that's going. Uh, you know, before I get to that, I'm going to get you in a second, Brittany, but I want to pick something Todd Up said there. You know, a, a big theme that emerged, Todd, and you hit on it there throughout the year was the shift in care models. And I think in 2022, we really saw a big acceleration in the shift in care models. You know, some stats, because we we'll like talk about stats here on Definitively Speaking. You know, in 2022, uh, roughly 32% of procedures went through a hospital. Which was down from nearly 37 percent in 2016. That's a five-point shift in six years, really showing that hosp- care is leaving hospitals, despite the fact that people are using the ER for, uh, you know, their primary care. I tell you, the people who can have the ability to shift more towards ambulatory procedures. I think we saw the rise in telemedicine, up you know 70 percent to where it was or from where it was pre-pandemic. So I think 2022 will. Th- we really be reflected on as coming out of the pandemic the shift in care models
2: yeah i mean that that's so we have been looking at even you know slices of that that shift in in different markets so i'll give an example so we, we've looked at the shift in care from emergency emergency room visit versus urgent care clinic visits and when you look at that over time You know, there's a seasonality to it, right? There's like more in the summer and then a little less in the winter. And it goes like the percentage of emergency visits that is split between hospitals, emergency rooms and urgent care clinics. It was 60-40 for, you know, all through 2019. And then once COVID hit, the percentage of emergency visits going to urgent care clinics skyrocketed and it was almost a 50-50 split. And so you kind of expect it as 2021 rolled around that that would start to ebb and flow back to what it was before. But it really looks like those percentages are, you know, it's not not that urgent Care Clinic is going to overtake hospitals as a, a share of emergency visits, but they're no longer in the 35 to 40% range. They're in the 48% range or so. So it is getting close to a 50-50 split. And, you know, I, I think what it, what you can read into that really is that people have looked at those models and have started to see that, hey, this actually works for me. And so that is something that, that I found uh, just super fascinating, just looking at the data from the, that shift. Brittany, what was
0: your most memorable moment from last year?
1: Well, I'm going to be an overachiever like Todd and I have two Nice. So, yeah. So my first one is just about the podcast in and of itself. In our day-to-day jobs, I feel like we do a lot of presenting and a lot of one-directional conversations with our clients, which I really enjoy. I enjoy talking about our data and our insights and what we've learned for them. But with the podcast, what I appreciate is that we're learning from other folks in the industry. We're having conversation. And it's definitely more... It, it's, a, it's a more conversational atmosphere. And we're able to, to share ideas and to think about data in different ways that we don't get to when we're just presenting the data. The other episode that stands out to me was the afterwards to Kara's episode when we had a very personal and very intimate conversation about our own mental health and how that shows up in the workplace and how as a company, Definitive is really investing in the emotional and mental safety of its employees and, and making way for space for us to be able to talk about mental health issues and taking care of each other in ways that I've never experienced before. And as you had mentioned, that you'd never experienced before. And I thought that was a very powerful episode and a really, it was a really powerful experience to be able to share that with you, you guys. Yeah,
0: I I feel like, you know, the three of us grew closer throughout the, I know you guys infinitely better than I did this time last year, absolutely. And and I really appreciate that. You know, we've talked a lot about Kara. that also is my most memorable thing. The one phrase, if I say, Justin, what's the one phrase that sticks in your your brain from this year's podcast? It's the brushing your brain. When we kind of hit with that with Kara about, you know, such an interesting idea. A lot of people, myself included, probably pay more attention to my daily dental health than I do to my daily mental health. And, you know, I brush my teeth twice a day. Maybe I should just brush my brain, right? Keep it clean. How do I keep that my brain healthy? And, you know, if we maybe paid a little bit more attention to our mental health and the same level of preventative care, we all might be a little bit healthier. I, I also thought it was fascinating that Kara's job title was not just president of mental health services, but it was mental health services and well-being and I would say five years ago, no one have that end well-being in their title. And personally, I'm kind of thankful that we've actually evolved as a culture and as a country to really kind of think about well-being and bring that conversation forward. Uh, and I'm glad that we were able to be part of that conversation that last year.
1: And that mental health is part of physical wellness and that your, your well-being does include your mental
0: health. Yeah. Amen to that. So. You know, a couple themes. And you know, I did I didn't re-listen to all 20 hours of the podcast, I so will confess. But I did cheat. I have a written transcript of every episode. I didn't actually reread all the 20 transcripts, right? But I can read faster than I can listen. So a couple of themes that popped up. And so I'm just gonna throw them out there and kind of get your response to them. The first thing that jumped out at me was supply and demand. We had a lot of conversations about Staffing shortages, increased COVID. We talked about the COVID bubble, the you know, the, the bulge, I guess, coming through the, the snake and you know, the the frog and kind of it's a frog. The snake falls something really big-ass maybe the antelope or the deer, and it goes
2: through it, all that.
0: Uh Todd, what was your perspective takeaway from supply and demand last year?
2: So so this so whenever people talk about supply and demand in healthcare, it always it gives me a weird feeling because it's, you know, we're treating healthcare like a gallon of milk on the shelf, you know, and it's like, oh well, you know, a lot of people want to buy milk, so therefore the price of milk is going to go up, and you know, the supply of from you know farmers to get. It, it's like healthcare is not a commodity, even though we treat it like a commodity here in the in the US. So uh, I, I think that's that's always what I think about when we talk about the economics of healthcare, about how you know the 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 cost structures and you know the amount of money that people have to spend to just stay ahead of their their illnesses, it it, it drives me crazy a little bit but. You know it's kind of why I always wanted to stay in the healthcare market is to look at how it works, how it flows, and, and you know where are there opportunities to make things better, but the thing that really. Sunk me a little bit this year was talking about the physician shortage, and that is a true supply-demand problem, right? And you know, forget the the costs—not that you can—but you know, forget about the costs part of it. But you know, just the the sheer numbers of people that need healthcare and the number of physicians or ancillary health services folks that are out there like those numbers are not great numbers and so i i did like quite a bit the conversations we had around what can be done to help with the top of funnel of getting physicians and and hcps back into the market and and whether that's making the education portion of becoming a, a physician or a therapist a little bit easier, a little bit more affordable to what can government do to help with, you know, people moving from state to state and accreditation and things like that. So reducing some of those complexities in in making it easier for people to become home health aides or, you know, because that is, you know, to me, when I look at the coming tide of boomers retiring and, and that sort of thing, like the need for health. Home health aids is just is skyrocketing, and you could you know there's a billion uh, articles and and publications that can back that up. So so I, I think that that's really what I think supply and demand, other than my first comment there about the commodity, uh, I think that i I always go back to just the sheer numbers. And I've had no less than thirty conversations with different uh, organizations this year that how centered around that concern about where are we are going to get the physicians to fill these gaps that we're seeing? I couldn't agree with you more.
0: You know, another theme that popped out was Brittany, I expect one that you'll probably be very interested in was remote patient management. We had Hinge Health, Omada, Health, Be Secure, uh, among other people talk to us about, you know, remote patient management. What are kind of your thoughts on patient management both in 2022 and looking into 2023?
1: So probably a more, Optimistic outlook than our staffing. Our staffing focus. Good. What I have found this year in talking to our clients and also running reports for them and looking at the data, COVID forced us to adopt telehealth in ways that we hadn't before. And I think that that, uh, we had to adopt new ways to use telehealth. And then other, as we were adopting it, each of the specialties were finding innovative ways to be able to reach their patients. So we're finding. I think we did a report at one point that we're finding more LGBTQ youth are accessing care because of telehealth or other folks are able to manage some of their chronic conditions because of biometric monitoring and telehealth management. So seeing the positive impact on different populations and different communities because of telehealth, I, w- I was really excited to see that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we see more innovation in this space.
2: Yeah, opening up like that, that, you know, certainly, you know, seeing the, the doors open for people who may not otherwise have been able to access healthcare before, like that, that is definitely a great story. And and it, it's the feel good sort of uh, details behind the, like some of the scarier things we heard this year, for sure. And that is the most heartening thing I, I sort of see with that is the, you know, you see the huge surge in, you know, March, April, May of 2020, and there's, you know, obviously some coming down a little bit of that in terms of the the usage but it is still huge in terms of its staying power and I think everyone just like with my comment about the urgent care I think people started using it and said oh Hey, this works for me. I'm in my own private, like, especially for, for, you know, youth that that want to have that privacy, you don't know, you're not in a doctor's office feeling exposed, you're at home, you're in your own room, probably having those conversations like that is a certainly a heartening story. And I hope we continue to see that and continue to see the support for it. So,
0: Brittany, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you spend all day, every day talking to our customers. Uh, so that gives you a unique vantage point, right? You talk to dozens, if not hundreds of people a month, right? So as you're talking to these folks, what are some of the things that they're concerned at or looking forward to in 2023 about healthcare?
1: That's a really great question. Most of my conversations with clients are either around staffing shortages, for sure but also patient retention. Mm. I have done a lot of projects for clients who are interested in the leakage and keepage of patients. How are they able to attract and keep patients within their network? How What services do they need to offer? Or why are patients leaving their network? So I definitely see a more patient-focused or patient-centric effort coming our way. Um, a lot of patient engagement, a lot of investment in being able to retain these patients within a network. Um, Yeah, I I think that that's going to be the big focus in 2023 is now that patients are coming back into the healthcare system, how do we keep those patients? And that's going to certainly spark some innovation,
0: hopefully. I think that's a really good point because I I read recently some, some research we pulled out of our database that said the average hospital operating margin is minus 2%. Which if I go back to my business school, a negative operating margin is also known as a loss. So these hospitals are losing money. And so they need to increase their revenue. And a number one target for doing that is exactly what you just said, which is addressing leakage and really trying to eliminate some of that.
1: I, I did a project for a client who is interested in seeing which facilities in their state were offering colonoscopies on the weekends. So routine colonoscopies on the weekends as opposed to emergency. So they found that those systems that were offering routine care, routine screenings on the weekends were able to keep their patients because a lot of folks don't want to take time off. And especially for procedures that require anesthesia or going under in any capacity, you now have to have find a second person to take time off to drive you home. So by having them on the weekends, they're able to see more patients and keep more patients. I thought that was really a really interesting approach.
0: That's fascinating, actually. That's kind of bringing you know, consumer marketing, if you will, to healthcare, right? Meet the patient where they are and what they want. That's a real interesting study. I didn't hear about that.
1: Yeah, that was a cool project. It was the first time that I used the day of the week to uh, to sort and segment <laughs> our, our client, our
0: claims. Data aggregation talk. <laughs> was it in one state?
1: I did it for a particular client just to keep them anonymous. I won't name the state, but we could certainly run that nationally and see what that looks like.
0: I'm curious. All right, we'll definitely follow up with that one offline. Todd, what are you seeing as key themes for 2023? We should look at for, look out for.
2: The current thing that we're sort of looking at is the huge surge in you know the triple demic of COVID, RSV, and influenza. Uh, when I looked in early October, or you know at the data from early October, the percentage of patients coming in, or the volumes of patients who come in, were three times the typical amount you would see in an October. So that is something that I absolutely keeping our eye on. Uh, the other is something you just mentioned is operating income and loss, which is, you know, I've read article after article after article that is basically covering how all these hospitals are coming through the, with the end of the year, which typically is, you know, September 30th with negative operating margins and so that is something if you look at the the bigger hospitals who in the past have had you know 2 billion plus pause in the positive for operating margins they can kind of handle a year or two being out of sorts but all of those hospitals that are in rural areas or who have you know a string of four to five years with negative operating margins are yeah, you know, that is something you got to watch to see, are they going to get acquired? Are they going to be just shut down? What's going to happen? And so that has spillover effects into patient outcomes into, you know, services offered and and what other types of services might pop up. So those are all things that we're keeping an eye on for 2023.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'm actually really curious about where precision medicine is going to go this year and biotechnology and all these new drugs. And, you know, I think we saw a lot of research and a lot of drugs going into the pipeline. I think 2023 is going to be there. You see a lot of drugs come out of the pipeline and start to get to the market. And I'll be curious to see what advances we have with some of these new drugs hitting the market. You know, precision medicine, genetic testing, genetic personalized medicine. I think 2023, maybe I'm a bit early, might be a year off. We'll see. We'll talk about this in a year and wrap up 12 months from now. But, you know, I really do think personalized medicine is coming and it's either going to be 2023 or 2024, but I'm going to watch out for that this coming year.
2: And if it happens, we'll see it in the data for sure.
0: I love that. I love that. All right. So our closing question here, as frequent listeners of this podcast know by now. I like to wrap up this podcast with my famous big question. So I get to ask each of you my big question. As you think about 2023 and perhaps even beyond, what's the big change you'd like to see in the U.S. healthcare ecosystem? Brittany, you go first.
1: So considering your comment about precision medicine and personalized medicine, I I really want to make sure or I'd love to see everyone be able to access that. I think that precision medicine and personalized medicine is incredible and innovative and also probably expensive. And I want to make sure that it's not just the healthiest and wealthiest who can access that, but that everyone would have access to that type of healthcare.
2: Got it. Todd, what about you? I'm going to go a little outside the box here and say if you graduate from medical school with a B or higher, your are dead as wiped clean. <laughs> like that, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I know obviously it's not happening, but, but I, I always go back and again, like the, the, the dire warnings about the, the staffing shortages we're going to see from a, a physician standpoint, if we can get more people in that we have, there's a, Ton of smart people that would make fantastic physicians that just can't afford to go to school and get it done. And so if we could even, hey, let's say that was a certainly a, a pie in the sky type of a statement there. But, you know, having a little bit more of a Support system for people to get into med school and to stay in med school. Uh, that that is something I really wish we could change about our healthcare system today. Is to to get people in the funnel, and it it is a good job. It is a, a worthwhile cause to work as a physician and to to help with healthcare outcomes for people. And so you know, the more folks we can get in. And and I, I wish that, you know, there's, there's a weird trend of of some, you know, people that are, you know, we had in during COVID, you know, people clapping at 10 o'clock every night in New York City for the first responders and the the people working in the hospital. And there was a little bit of a turn against that. If I could just like shut that off and have it, everyone go back to, hey, like, this is a worthwhile and a, a, a very great profession to be in. Uh, just get that feeling back again in the United States is that's where I'd my, if I had my magical uh, wish, those would be my magical wishes. Do I hear a
0: presidential platform in there? Bellamere 2028?
2: Hey, don't trip threaten me with a good time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, the change that I want to kind of splits the difference between the two of you is I, I'd really like to do something to address access and equity in healthcare. care. Uh, access and equity really was a theme that we talked about through all of last year. Frank, that's something we're going to continue to talk about this year. We've got a situation where the people who need the healthcare, particularly in rural communities, underserved communities, are under-consuming the healthcare they need. And then we've got another situation where some people are over-consuming healthcare that they need. You know, go into a specialist when a primary care doctor would do, going to a PCP when a nurse practitioner could do. And if we could figure out a way to rebalance the healthcare system to get people to consume what they need. And get people to practice the top of their license and increase access for people who don't have access today. I think, you know, it'd probably impact not only everybody's physical health, their mental health, but even be so bold as to say the US GDP, because we all probably be a little bit more productive. And, you know, probably not as ambitious, Todd, as waving medical debt for everybody graduating with a B, but uh, I don't think anybody solved the problem that I just said I could magically wave my magic wand and fix. So, hey,
2: if we're giving out magic wands, I mean, I might as well use them. So. Absolutely.
0: So Brittany, Todd, thanks for joining me today. This has been a great wrap-up of last year, and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation with you guys in 2023 and all of our guests. And for all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a definitive healthcare podcast. I hope you enjoyed the podcast throughout 2022, and you'll join us again throughout 2023. Our first guest of this year will be David Ting, CTO of TauCite. David founded Site in 2018 with the vision of reducing healthcare-specific cybersecurity incidents by simplifying the way that hospitals and healthcare systems detect and manage PHI risk in today's decentralized healthcare ecosystem. So we'll have a great discussion around data privacy and safety in healthcare, and what you can do to protect yourself, and what you should expect from doctor with your privacy and your private data. If you like what you've heard today, Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. If you have a favorite guest from 2022 or someone you'd like us to bring back for a second episode or even a suggestion of a new guest, I'd invite you to leave your feedback in the comments section of the podcast or send us an email to definitivehc.com. To learn more about how healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at definitivehc.com. Or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care, please stay healthy, and Happy New Year!